Hi, I'm Eagle Plain, and you're listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's show, we talk about our favorite growth hack, QBRs, how you can build habits around them, how they will make you better, and how to run the first QBR. And we're recording. Oh, I was just <laughs> playing around. You can't just start the track <laughs> and then not hit record. Um, <laughs> that's good. So we're going to talk a bit about something very nerdy today that has to deal with numbers. Yeah. We love numbers. And actually, I, we love spreadsheets as well. I don't get why everyone wants to kill them. They're great. That's right. You can do so much in them. VLOOKUP, RegEx. It's like... No joke. Someone called me spreadsheets for a very long time. <laughs> New nickname right there. Yeah. Hey, spreadsheets. Can yeah. you come over? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> So you and I have worked in a couple of B2B SaaS companies by now, all of them fast growing, high aspirations, some successful, and... Mindware. <laughs> we weren't the same company. <laughs> <laughs> the point is really, as a company goes from even where we are now, you know, 25 people to 50 to 100 to 200, there's so many things you need to get done. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it will prevent you from doing some of the things you know you need to do, such as a QBR, a quarterly business review. And we're not just going to talk about the QBR you would do with a customer, so a CSM and a customer. We're actually going to talk about reviewing how you as a business perform and what you can do to change. That's, that's really the focus. So first question we really need to deal with is if everyone is busy, have a lot of things they need to accomplish, why should they even bother taking out time to do a QBR? I think the, the answer here is uh, in many cases, yes, you will have your dashboards, you maybe have a BI tool, maybe you as a person, it could be you as a RevOps person or you as a VP sales or something like that. You look at those occasionally but really the value is not from seeing that stuff. The value comes from discussing it. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, QBR, if you really boil it down to its essence, what it is, it's, it's creating space, an hour, sometimes two hours, of you with your team reviewing those numbers, figuring out what they mean, trying to learn something from it, and trying to get better afterwards. Yeah. And, and really, I think it's also good to be clearly differentiating that from this QBR that you do with your customer, which is really kind of, sure, it's value add, but it's kind of a sales session also. Really, the internal QBR is really about learning, getting better. Yes, there's a scorecard aspect to it as well, which I as a CRO or CEO really like, by the way. But there's really also the other piece, which is about, you know, what happened? Let's build consensus about what happened. Let's have clarity on that mm. and let's try and figure out how we're going to improve or not make some of the same mistakes again. Yeah. I mean, you called it your favorite growth hack one of the other days. Yes. And it's kind of not the go-to growth hacks you usually see. No. So why is it your favorite growth hack? It's, it's creating a cadence. It's creating a structure or a habit, if you will that basically pushes you to get a little bit better all the time. Mm. 
So uh, we internally call it continuous improvement. Yeah. That's really the, the, the big topic here. And there's this, this obvious like, hey, if you get 1% better every day, you grow by, I don't know, 360, 30, a I don't lot. know, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Okay, I think, you, I think you're 36x <laughs> or something over the year, Yeah. right? And, and obviously, hey, you're not going to do this every day. But um, what you do need to, uh, what you do need to do, though, is you need to, you need to figure out how to improve. Mm. And in order to do that, you need to uh, look at those numbers. And it's not only the number part, it's also the anecdotes that are around it, by the way. It's, yeah. it's not only, it's not only numbers. Mm. It, and then I think that's really important also not to forget in a QBR. And many times you won't find the whole story in the numbers. Yeah. Uh, and, and you need, you need the person, you need the person that was a frontline sales manager to speak up and say, Hey, it's because that rep uh, was on paternity for three months. Yeah, right? it's, it's <laughs> also, you can't measure everything and yeah. then by default, then it won't be in a QBR. So that, that story side, I agree is, is super yeah. key. And once you have that, habit going once you have that cadence going and you can have it monthly you can have it quarterly some people even do it you know shorter term and you create a what is good what is bad what do we want to improve next and by the way never ever try and do more things than one next right you kind of come out of your first qbi i can guarantee that to you and you have 20 next action points yeah it one just one and 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 maybe you have a chance to achieve that one and those continuous improvements and coming out of that, this is actually what kind of gets you better and better every day. Yeah. And also, especially thinking about SaaS here, uh, all of those improvements, they compound like crazy. Yeah. And, um, and once you start about, you know, talking about compounding, it's kind of, you know, compounding interest. Well, when should you start with it? Kind of as soon as you can, you mm -hmm. know, as early as possible. And then, you know, create that cadence, create that habit also create that transparency across your commercial leadership. They might be looking forward or not to one of those sessions, depending, and maybe we're going to talk about this, depending on how you structure it, but the clarity and transparency coming out of it, and then really the understanding of how to improve and why to improve. I think if you do this consistently, if you do this, let's just say not every month, but every quarter, I think you will grow a lot more than, hey, saw this new SEO hack on LinkedIn and I'm going to implement that tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah? And I think it's that continuous improvement is really the kicker because that's what built compounding interest. The first time I myself really started doing it was we rolled out some of the Scrum principles mm -hmm. in marketing. And with that came not just a review of the last two weeks, but also a, a baked in review of the projects we delivered, looking at both how can we improve the execution, like how we work together and our speed, our quality, whatever it is. And then obviously the performance and then what can we do to improve that performance? And that's where it gets incredibly powerful to have that conversation as a team with the right people. So I think I've been in quite a few QBRs. Some were good, some were bad. I think some of the ones that popped to mind, it was very much a monologue. First time seeing some numbers, either in a sheet or on a slide. And then really feeling like there was not a discussion of what should we do next? How should we approach it? How should we solve it? So I think if we position QBRs as a really great growth hack, because it is, it, it will help you compound learnings and improvements. What does a successful QBR then look like? Yeah. I think number one, no surprises. No one should walk into this meeting 
and um, and be totally taken aback by the numbers that they're seeing that they are supposedly are responsible of and or for, right? If a sales leader sees something you know new in marketing, that's totally fine. That's that's the idea of this QBR. There's the transparency, right? You don't expect her to sit in all the marketing dashboards all the time. Mm. But if you um, if you walk into it and you show the marketing leader an MQL number that is completely off, that that shouldn't that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. And there are a couple of ways to try and prevent that, and that is actually some of the interesting bits on how companies are maneuvering this. Really, it's sometimes actually asking the VP marketing, VP sales to own and run the QBR. That then usually requires lots of data work from revenue operations in order to enable that and yada, yada. Um, I think the, the alternative is to have revenue operations create a little bit more of a stronger frame around it, but basically in cooperation with uh, VP sales, VP marketing. Because the thing that you don't want to have happen is that every commercial leader is telling their own story and suddenly the story doesn't add up across the funnel. Everyone is obviously going to emphasize what what was great, yeah. Uh, instead of you know the let's just call them the improvement areas, yeah. you know. Yeah, everyone wants to put a good foot forward, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing it helps solve is this classic issue of if you see a number for the first time and you say, "Hey, you only delivered X MQLs," and then the marketing leader will sit there and she'll go, "That's not the number I have." Mm -hmm. And then it kills the whole meeting because it becomes about yes. the numbers. Are they accurate? Can we trust them? And that's that's beyond the purpose of that meeting. And no, you can you, you can shut down the meeting at that moment. Yeah, then then it's done. Then yeah. it's over. Yes. And that's where I really so the the let's say the great QBRs I myself have been in. There's always been a conversation in advance where someone in revenue operations have found something interesting. And we'd sit down and discuss, hey, what happened here? What what else should we look into to really understand what's happening mm -hmm. in the business? And I think that's really item number two. I think you need to have a recurring theme happening in QBRs and MBRs. You know, every recurring meeting needs to have a recurring agenda. That's kind of one of my uh, mm. principles. And um, uh, what you want to have on top, though, is deep dive topics and areas. Yeah. And you just mentioned one of those deep dive things, right? It's, uh, you know, something is going off here. Why is it going off? And maybe someone says, it's a good question. I, I don't know. Yeah. Can you do some digging? I have an idea. It could be this, that, or the other thing. And then you bring it up and you have a, a way to discuss it. But also FYI, you, you give that person that is responsible for the number, you know, a little bit of time to think about a story that could be told around the numbers and mm. how it, you know, works together, right? And I think that's, that's really crucial. So really having a recurring theme, a recurring agenda, plus deep dives that might be different from time to time. Yeah. Right? I think number number three here, don't keep it at a, hey, we're only looking back. We're only reporting on numbers level. So we can hold you accountable. <laughs> I think the accountability piece is really important. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and really, most people don't like it, but it is really important. I think the... The especially if you are as a revenue operations person running those sessions, I think what you need to keep in mind is most of those leaders know that they didn't hit a number that they that they were told to hit. So coming back to that topic all the time and being like why and this and that, it's I think this is mm, number one not helpful in many cases, uh, but number two it's also 
probably not helpful for your relationship to that commercial leader, mm. right? It's uh, you're going to walk out of this meeting and and the other person is going to think what an annoying shit. Yeah. All right. And uh, so you want to you want to avoid that because you don't want to be that person. You want to be the partner to the commercial leader. And what should you do instead? Well, what you should do instead is actually looking forward. Mm. You know, how can you help the VP sales hit the number next quarter? How can you help the uh, VP marketing to hit her whatever number next quarter or for the year or whatever? Yeah, and I think that's one of the things we've heard from, you know, not just our customers, but people working in revenue operations is sometimes it's hard to position yourself as that strategic business partner. And if you're not perceived as that, you have a problem. But, you know, that's back to what you said, the cadence and the structure around the meeting, actually sitting down in advance, discussing some of the things that you see and preparing and actively wanting to help. Because, as you know, if you're a sales leader and you missed target, guess what? You know before mm -hmm. that meeting and you're not very happy about it. Yeah, and you know what? It's not going to help that. VP sales that you come, well, you didn't hit because your conversion rate went down. <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks spreadsheets, bye. I was I was spreadsheets in that yeah. story. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, and doing it the other way around and then, you know, flipping it and saying like, hey, if you keep that conversion rate, we will need to produce so many more opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that will put so much more pressure on marketing and hey, marketing, can we do this? Yes, maybe no. You know, let's have a conversation about this. Really, this then becomes a let's solve the problem across the funnel conversation mm -hmm. looking forward. Um, and there will be some pressure then on the VP sales. Like, okay, I think I need to notch it back up a couple of points and uh, that conversion rate. But also, uh, marketing will look into trying to create more opportunities or whatever mm -hmm. the solution is going to yep. be. But but that's really the that's really the forward looking approach that. I feel creates way less of a blaming and shaming piece, which, yes, sometimes is necessary and sometimes it's helpful, but instead creates much more of a collaborative how do we solve this problem approach, which is something that you really want to, as a revenue operations leader, really want to enable in the commercial engine. And, and that's why this is such a great tool, for example, to try and achieve that. Yeah. And I think that's also back to the structure if... If the revenue leaders have been involved ahead of the actual sit down, if I'm a marketing leader and I know we have a challenge with our conversion rate in sales, my thoughts will revolve around what can I do to help impact that? Did we make any changes that caused this or are there anything we can do to mitigate it or somehow increase the volume to assist? And that's, if you can get to that level, I find then this meeting is really powerful because then the team starts actually working together versus you know sitting in the corner saying well okay his or her conversion rates went down not my problem mm. but but it really is if you're responsible for revenue you have an interest in growing that no matter what department you sit in yes and i also think that there is an opportunity and there's a space for understanding mm. and i feel as a as a CRO, as a revenue leader, it was super important to me that there was not only me understanding all the different pieces, but that the team around me understood each other as well. Yeah. And for example, the typical sales versus sales and marketing conundrum, the the thing that came out of one QBR um, was like, hey, we had all of those MQLs and we kind of hit target, but those MQLs apparently didn't convert to opportunities as they used to, right? And so typical typical conversation 
So why is that? Well, we did this campaign on Facebook and that's not leading to the right uh, kind of leads. Mm. So why are we doing this? Well, because we hit, need to hit this MQL target and Facebook is a great way to do it. Could we do it differently? Maybe yes, but, you know, and, and conversation ensued. And then also the sales leaders understood, oh, wait a minute, you can't just, you know, why, why don't you put more money into Google? So yeah, honestly, typical question. And then there was a, because those five reasons and we are already maxing out and it's already shit. Yeah. Uh, so we can't do this anymore. And then there was a realization for those uh, sales leaders, which usually think, well, just, you know, more ads, ads, more ads budget. That's it. That's what you need. And then there was a realization, oh, wait a minute. It's not that simple, actually. Mm. It's, it's more complicated than that. Uh, yeah. Yes, it is, Mr. Sales Leader. And, uh, uh, and this is some of the reason why this MQL thing is kind of not going in the right direction. And having that realization also leads to simply less you know, friction for sure, but less antagonism, I mm. think is the right word, between those two roles, because suddenly you have a bit more of an understanding and respect for the problems that the other side deals with. I think this has been one of the best ways to make sure that marketing and sales actually aligned because they, they will understand each other a whole lot better. Just because of what you said, you're able to put words to why is it not just a matter of pouring more money into ads? Mm -hmm. why, why does it take longer for marketing to scale up you know, their opportunity production? Or why can't sales just use those MQLs we created because we just needed to hit target? Mm -hmm. It changes the conversation around, well, if that money we spend to generate those MQLs are not materializing into opportunities, we should do something different. Yep. I want to circle back to a thing you said about the QBRs because I've seen in QBRs there's a lot of things you discover and learn. And by doing that, there's a lot of things you then want to go and do. Why is it so important that it's just one thing that needs to be the focus? Mm -hmm. So let's not forget that the QBR... It's not the only source of ideas that you will have across the business. You have probably your OKRs, you have your strategy, you have your sprints, mm. and you have all kinds of places where there are new ideas coming out. QBRs should ideally inform some of those ideas and decision-making and, and, and so forth. But the key point about continuous improvements is that the changes that you make, that they stick. If you improve 1% a day, uh, but that improvement falls away the next day, you can improve 1% every day for the year and you will have improved 1% at the end of the year. Mm. And this is something that I've struggled with the most, honestly. How do, you, how do you keep those continuous improvements to stick? And long philosophical process later, focus on one thing instead, right? That, that, is, that is usually the way that, you know, number one, to make sure it gets done. Which is, which is a big achievement, you know, coming to the next QBR and being able to say, hey, there's one thing that we debated over half an hour to kind of decide we actually finished it. Mm. Uh, you will not have that good feeling of having achieved something if you have even chosen two or three things, by the way, I can promise you that. And then number two, the, uh, the chances and the likelihood of that change to stick and to stay and to be reinforced and now to be the new normal, much, much higher if it's one one specific thing. Yeah? So that's why focusing on, on one instead of multiple is 
it totally is, is a tactic, so don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's a, it's kind of a best practice that uh, we started implementing. And we also, uh, if, if someone asks us, we're obviously kind of sharing that immediately. Yeah. From a marketing perspective, this is the classic issue. So many bells and whistles, so many problems to solve. And if you try and tackle them all, you will fail. Mm -hmm. And a quarter, let's not forget, is three months. There's just a limit for how much you can accomplish in that time, given that you also have day-to-day -day stuff you need to get done mm -hmm. and other responsibilities, quite frankly. So I think it's very legitimate to say, we're going to do this one thing and we're actually going to do it really well as a team. And it's a lot easier to rally a team around one thing rather than saying, okay, and here's the next thing and uh, here's also the next thing, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I like how it sets up the revenue leaders to actually go and co convey it to the team why it matters and then ensure they can actually f execute on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this is, again, where also revenue operations comes into a degree, right? Yes, sure, you create the frame and maybe the, the content of the data side for those QBRs. I think the almost increasingly so job definition and, and and purpose also for revenue operations is to create that understanding across the revenue engine. You know, we talked about it. I think a QBI is a great way to try and kind of have those conversations. And then the third thing is, let's just say you decide on conversion rate for a sales to be the topic that needs to be fixed. The wonderful, wonderful VP salespeople that I've been working with um, their days are already completely blocked out with just doing the day-to-day -day stuff. Yeah. They usually are not the greatest project managers. They usually are not able to put something like this together, simply not out of you know smarts, simply out of capacity, right? And this is actually where then revenue operations can step in and provide some of that structure and framework as well, right? Kind of you know, setting up the first meeting to talk about it, uh, get their attention, try and distill what we could do into a project and then try and, you know, push that project through with either additional uh, resources that are necessary. Let's mm -hmm. just say it's an enablement person needs to be kind of found, you know, and so forth. Um, and this is, again, something where revenue operations can be a, a true helper yeah. uh, and, and uh, you know, helping, you know, steering strategic shifts here together with the VP of sales Instead of being, you know, number one, either the admin for the systems or, hey, can you pull this report because I have a difficult conversation coming up uh, or the, ah, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting bad rep sheet at the end of the month because, you know, I didn't hit this thing here. And again, this is all about shifting some of the, some of the ways that RevOps, you know, think about themselves and yeah. actually add value to the organization. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think also if, anyone in revenue operations want to position themselves as that strategic business partner, they shouldn't just be monitoring projects. They should actually assist mm -hmm. however they can, mm -hmm. right? And and I think that's that's super, super crucial for that team. Yes. And kind of uh, 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 taking almost, you know, maybe one step, one step back here. So sure, you set up the QBR, you help the commercial leaders to understand each other, you create transparency, accountability, all of those wonderful things. What it also enables uh, and helps with is whoever runs that team, it might be a CRO, it might be the CEO, to actually deeply understand and know what's going on. Mm. Many, many times, uh, and especially see if, you know, if, if you're at the stage of a company where all of that rolls into the CEO, there's so many other things for her on her plate 
uh, that she needs to think about than, than the details of, of the commercial and the revenue engine. And yes, as the company scales, that will take more and more of her time. But having one solid rock that continues you, you know, gives her at least the same storyline and helps her to understand what the deviations are and why, and enables her later on in her one-on-ones with the commercial leaders to circle back and be like, hey, you know, we had this conversation, I know, but I actually wanted to really drill deeper into this area. Can you tell me about this? Yeah. Currently, uh, most leaders that go across, uh, and, and by the way, the CEO will not log into Salesforce and refresh report. They will not log into HubSpot and kind of try and do the same thing. And if you have a fancy BI setup, they probably also not do that. They will want to read a slide deck. I can promise you that for sure. And um, uh, that is then really the opportunity for them to actually follow and know what's going on. Again, you know, now as a RevOps person, if you're running this thing, suddenly you're creating massive surface to top level of the company and suddenly it will be like, hey, you know, when, when is this QBR ready? On the first of the quarter, by the yeah. way. And, and then, then you know you broke through and kind of you created value. And, and that probably that, that ask will not go away, by the way. That will stay there. And they're hooked. I think we kind of might have found a new nickname for you. No more. No, no, now it's slides. You've, slides, you've upgraded. You, <laughs> uh, you know, as you, as you grow older in life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> QBRs, super critical. We're going to go prep for one, I guess, pretty soon. That's true. Yes. And um, hope you got some really good advice out of this episode. We're definitely going to circle back to this again in the future. Wonderful. Thanks, Michael. Bye. I wave. <laughs> yeah. Can you see it? <laughs> 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 <laughs>